0: are my friends come along with me
1: see how the story ends hey all you professional hippies welcome back this week we have an honorary guest a guest that i think all of you will fall in love with because i myself have tripped and fallen in love where we first met henry it was uh it was an interview and i was the interviewee so yes. ironic that the roles have switched now We ended up going to a really cool soiree off the back of what was that? Um, South by Southwest. South by Southwest. You got to see me fumble over meeting one of my heroes in uh, (laughs) East Medicine. And um, yeah, so I want to do kind of a proper introduction, but I also want to make it a little informal. So if you guys tuned in last week and uh, you're excited about learning, really anything around the topic of how to build a business in psychedelics or learning more about psychedelics. I think Henry's going to be an incredible resource. He's the founder of Tricycle Day. We were kind of talking shop before we went on the podcast, but I think you could make an argument for the fastest growing psychedelic newsletter. that is fair to say. Yeah. Certainly. Right. Um, And kind of going to blows with some of the biggest names out there. So um, we're going to be bouncing around, kind of talking about talking about different topics and Um, just to kind of do the promo up front, the newsletter is free. So if you guys want to go check out, is it, it's bi-weekly, not bi-weekly, it's twice a week, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bi-weekly is one of those tricky words that really doesn't tell you anything, but yeah, it's two times per week. (laughs) Right. It goes out every Wednesday and every Sunday.
1: And, And the best part is that the newsletter actually has substance. So, um, it's one that I read every time it lands in my inbox and one that I think if you guys go ahead and subscribe. And we'll tell you how to find it. I mean, you can obviously just try tricycleday.com and, uh, and sign up there. But um, really excited to dive in. Kind of like I've had an up-close and personal look at what you've done, but since been removed from that process. So to he- excited to hear kind of about like what you've been up to lately and um, just kind of bounce all around. But if you guys are interested in becoming a budding mycologist, our friends over at North Spore are down to hook you up. So head over there and check them out. If you use the code Professional Hippies, you get 10% off. Not only does it benefit you, because fun guys are fun guys, it benefits us. And if we need nothing else in this world, it is capitalism. I mean freedom, I mean money. So go check (laughs) it out.
0: So Henry, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. And uh, that was an excellent ad read, I might add. As someone who also runs a media platform that lives and dies based on sponsorships, I got to hand it to you. That was, that was well done.
1: Yeah. Well, it, they're awesome. I genuinely love North Spore. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great company.
0: I've, I've got the Shroom Tech right behind
1: me. No doubt. That's what I'm talking
0: about. And, and a bunch of the capsules too.
1: Well, next time you buy stuff, what maybe are they hooking you up? You Are you getting a little... Yeah, I get a little bit, a little handout here and there. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta make it up our way up to Maine and go uh, surfing with them boys. Those are some Mm -hmm. good homegrown boys that just love nothing but mushrooms. And and that's the cool thing about probably the industry that you're tapping into. Like, what have been some of your? I don't know what direction to take this in. I'm so excited to like talk about different kind of points and stuff. But like all over the place. What have been some of your favorite personalities? that you've seen shine through. And if you want to give kind of any pretense to like the newsletter, maybe for like context. So folks understand kind of like what the newsletter is about and how we will be talking about fits into that. So maybe we start there and then explore personalities.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the rundown on the newsletter is it is a easy to read, fun to read, easy to consume, uh, roundup of the most important news and psychedelic research policy and business. I mentioned that it goes out twice per week. The Wednesday issue every week covers that week's news, and the Sunday issue is kind of my shot at original reporting. I do an interview-based series, which is not too dissimilar from this, except that the end format is is written, um, and it's meant. To, every issue is meant to be consumed in five minutes or less, so it's easy. Um, and I try to differentiate. You know, I made a very intentional decision at the beginning, taking an audit of what else was out there in psychedelic media that I wanted to do something that was lighthearted and some people might take issue with that being as you know, these can be considered sacred medicines, but seeing that we were at this like precipice where, you know, psychedelics are really going mainstream and they're going to be a lot more new people. Like the pie is growing. They're going to be new people who don't know what to make of the information overwhelm out there. I wanted to do something that was appealing and attractive to that crowd. Um, So you know, it's it's injected with humor, there are memes, it's written in not perfect English, sometimes intentionally. Uh so that's that's kind of the gist on the newsletter. Uh as far as like people I've met, you know, that that psycho not POV interview series has really afforded me the opportunity to meet like people from all aspects of this ecosystem, community, uh industry, if you want to call it that. It's you know, I've I've spoken to venture capitalists, I've spoken to like uh a like a Gen Z mestiza practicing indigenous uh, medicine, so it really ranges to the gamut. It's hard for me to pick a favorite, um, but I think you know my favorite aspect of, of the experience of of doing those interviews is the diversity of opinion. Um, you know, sometimes I get like a lot of negative pushback from readers from one thing, and then like you know I have the total opposite opinion the next week, and a different segment is mad, and a different segment is like yes, more of this. So it really goes to show that. You know people talk about a psychedelic community i actually don't believe that there is a psychedelic community i believe that there are many many factions within and there's a lot of infighting um (laughs) and for all like the talk of connectivity and we're all one we got a lot of work to do still
1: yeah (laughs) that's a great point i I saw that on full display at the maps conference oh yeah oh yeah i expected to show up there and it'd be kumbaya but I mean, there was definitely some headlines that made it, especially like how the way it closed down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like seeing people being very confrontational and it, it's all, I think, and I'm curious to get your perspective, but from my point of view, it's all in kind of the service of the same thing. They all want to move it forward just with different kind of past intentions and trying to safeguard from other people kind of crabs in a bucket is what it kind of feels like.
0: Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting metaphor there. Uh, I I do agree to it to an extent, but also I see the validity and the points that everyone makes. Um, You know, particularly the one that you're talking about right now with like indigenous peoples wanting to not be left behind, extracted from or abused in in any way. Um, That's a tricky subject. You know, Um, I think when you're talking about I'll just like kind of wax a little bit on my view on it. You know, I think when you're talking about indigenous practices, absolutely. There should be reciprocity, but I think it's also easy to take that view to the extreme and paint the entire psychedelic medicine landscape with the same brush. And that's not entirely fair. You know, something like MDMA or ketamine has, has no traditional history associated with it. So you can't really approach those the same way as you might with ayahuasca.
1: Fair point. So where do you come up with the memes?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that that is like, you know, when you're like running a business, you're always trying to like figure out how to standardize things, like come up with a, an SOP. And that's one that I have not been able to like really nail down to a science yet, which is probably a good thing. It's probably why it's fun is it still feels artistic and creative. But I've got a few different ways that I like tend to come up with them. One... The first one is like kind of the most magical, and I think probably also the most applicable to this audience, which is I've found that some of my most creative ideas come when I am disengaged from the problem, so to speak, like not sitting in front of the computer or on my phone, like come up with a meme. It's more when I'm like taking a walk outside, um, breathing in the fresh air, or I'm at the yoga studio doing my practice. I get a lot of ideas for the business as a whole and also a specific like creative content type ideas there, um, and then more tactically, m- memes also come from like being a consumer of memes and just like <laughs> yeah. remixing them because that's like what memes <laughs> are, right? It's not about creating something totally new; it's about right. taking something that exists in the culture, in the zeitgeist, and like putting a spin on it.
1: So you have just like memes kind of going through maybe your feed, yeah. It just as like a part a, of keep a white file of memes. yeah (laughs) because man i i'll I'll tell you i don't know that i've seen more memes like genuinely from like a meme page in the the context that you use them in i would i don't know if i can give you 10 out of 10 but i would say a solid 8 or 9 out of 10 land really well (laughs) i'm like damn that's done Really well. That's why I was almost thinking, I'm like, are you outsourcing this? Is that a part of your business? I you're... wish, man. I wish that I could.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> no. a funny
1: man on retainer. <laughs> yeah, not uh, yet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what's been kind of maybe the, and again, we can take this in whatever direction you want, but these are just some of the pressing things been on my mind. What's been the most challenging part about building this for you?
0: Hmm. Um. Probably like managing the, like managing cash flow, for me, like the part of the reason you mentioned that it was like the fastest growing psychedelics newsletter. That's not an accident. Um, you know, I've been running this since the, since January and I have never once paid myself a dollar out of the business. Uh, every single dollar that I've made has gone back into the business, whether that's in the software and infrastructure that it takes to like actually publish it, or mostly like the lion's share of that is going into marketing expenses. So, you know, I run ads myself to bring people into the newsletter and then the newsletter monetizes by selling ad space to businesses in the psychedelic space. So I would say like the challenge to go back to your question is like, is that the right, like controlling the brakes and the gas pedal there? Like, do I want to keep pushing the the marketing spend and growing faster and faster and faster at the risk of like, you know, running out of my cash reserves. I'm basically living off of savings at the moment, or do I want to kind of accept where we are and turn it into more of like a lifestyle cash flowing thing and under and what goes into that calculus is like, do I feel like it's hit the potential that it, that it can. And my answer to that, it keeps going back to like, no, I think it can be a lot bigger.
1: Yeah. That was one of the things I wrote down that you spoke to earlier is like, hey, the pie is growing, right? Yeah. So where do you see kind of, I don't know if market cap would be kind of the correct projection there, but when you're kind of, it, it feels like you're intuitively projecting this. Yeah, right? I so don't think have, it's different, that, difficult to put metrics to it.
0: I mean, I have metrics that I'm like shooting for, but they're not based off of like some in-depth analytical review. It is more intuitive based on, my sense of the like of the newsletter market, um, some of the biggest newsletters that cover general news like they kind of cap out in the one or one to three million subscriber range. so I don't see a niche publication covering psychedelics alone getting to that scale at least in the foreseeable future, but I do think it could get significantly larger than it is right now and and right now, I'm at about thirty two thousand subscribers. I mm-hmm. think that it can easily you know I, I don't think it will exhaust after a um, hundred thousand. I think it can keep going from there.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Um, hmm. What, what got you, you, you
2: talked about earlier, you were doing a different type of podcast before this, and now you're yeah. into to doing a psychedelic newsletter. Like what yeah. made you, what was that transition? Like, what was, what had you yeah. want to make that leap? Cause that's a, that's a pretty, from the topic you were doing before to doing this now, it's a, that's a interesting transition
0: yeah it it is um and i appreciate you asking me that thanks um when i was doing that podcast before i was a full-time yoga teacher so i had a mm-hmm. podcast that was about yoga and um kind of a similar story as to why i decided to launch it it was called dharma talk and just like now you know leading into tricycle day i had started reading a lot of newsletters and just become a fan of that medium it was the same with me i'd like kind of just gotten interested in podcasts at that point and I was looking around for a yoga podcast that was interview-based and just didn't see one that I really jived with. So I launched my own. And um, my favorite thing about it was the, like, the doors that it opened for me. I just felt like you know it, it provided so much credibility, even though I don't even... like At that point, I had no idea what a good-sized podcast was doing in terms of numbers. It didn't really even matter to my guests either. They're like, oh, you have a podcast? Yeah. And so I would like reach out to my yoga heroes and be like, you want to be on this show? I can like talk to you and uh share your opinions with my audience, which is of an undetermined size. <laughs> and, just and they would agree. Just um, curious, did you
2: did you have to do yoga while you were doing the podcast or was it like an interview? I was always conference?
0: in a handstand while I spoke.
2: Her, okay, I just want to make sure <laughs> it was it was a real yoga podcast.
0: It was real. <laughs> it was real. Well,
1: so was the just from That's knowing awesome. you too, right? Was the yoga before the crypto venture? or was that
0: yeah yeah that was before okay yeah crypto was a, a brief interlude in between <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it was for many people i, I still have yeah. some crypto but i'm not oh involved me too in yeah. a professional way
1: yeah yeah i'm still waiting for that stuff to to go to the moon baby it's
0: kind of popping right now
1: yeah yeah i'm still in a place where i'm like okay it's just there doing its thing i guess in, in a lot of respects it's just kind of reserve you know if like uh i don't know
0: yeah i, I still believe in, in the fundamental philosophy behind that so i'll hold on to it
1: isn't it weird too though it felt like there was this feverish point well like what was that like a year ago two years ago That you mean was like the peak euphoria phase yeah that was like 2021 2021 yeah and it's just kind of taken this like backseat where people are like okay i guess the dollar's still a thing i mean not, <laughs> not to the loyalist but yeah yeah well, i think it's good dollar still
0: works
2: I think it, it's good it did plateau. That means it could be a little bit more manageable, like being able to understand it a little bit better. Once it was everywhere, freaking valley, <laughs> yeah. every everyone's like go crazy, buy this, you know. Yes. Everyone's coming up for a new coin. It was just chaotic, there's, you know. But very, now it's kind like, of casino vibes. down, especially after the FTX yeah. bullshit, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was tough. That was a tough was, time for a lot I'm, of people. I'm locked in the BlockFi bullshit, so you're locked <laughs> I mean, in. I, I had all a lot of my stuff in BlockFi, which got hit by FTX, so it's going yeah. through all the the bankruptcy stuff. No, so I what just, does that mean? Your stuff's just
1: locked in there until they. If
2: I had it, I had uh, you have an investing account and you had a wallet. I just recently was able to pull some of my stuff out of the wallet, but if you had it in an investing account, it's still going through bankruptcy, and I'll be one of the last people paid. I'll probably get a dollar <laughs> out of my <mine. laughs> Funds. I'm just expecting that to be a loss, you know. Yeah, out of you everything that off. That was in there. I would just write that. I was able like, to get a few hundred bucks out of my wallet, but you have everything in the investing account because you want it to gain interest.
0: So yeah, me. But I gained anyway. interest because they were able to like borrow against it, and because he like was like able to transfer into funds. this other
2: account to his yeah. ex girlfriend who was having orgies at the same time with my money. So,
0: <laughs> so it's funding the orgies. <laughs> You're all with that, that buddy? Cake.
2: <laughs> enough KY jelly to fill a pool <laughs>
0: there you go so are
1: there are there <laughs> heroes that crypto in... has no use cases
0: you're proving that's them wrong
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right um not to ground the conversation but are there heroes in the psychedelic realm that you're still looking to kind of like get connected with or use oh, yeah. this as a as a platform to reach out to
0: 100% i'm i'm patient though and uh i'm not going to force them but you know some of the obvious ones. Uh, actually, I will say I'm not going to say who it is, but I recently got connected to to one of those heroes that I like. When I, if somebody had told me I was going to speak to this person when I started this newsletter, you know, even what is that, ten months ago, I w- I wouldn't believe it. Um, so that conversation is happening in less than a month. Um, the name will be available in public soon enough, but I won't say now. But oh, tease definitely me! Definitely one of those. Tease like,
1: me, daddy. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't
2: it
0: interesting that like you said, you mentioned that,
2: right? Like you never would have thought you started this 10 months ago. You never would have thought, you know, there's people that we've had on since we started the podcast. We never would have thought we would have on, but it's just like, you start it, you get it going for a while. You, you know, you finally ask like, Hey, I think I'm all right enough that they could come on. Mm -hmm. And then you're surprised, but you're like, they probably looked into up to you and they're like, Oh, he's doing something. Sure. This looks like a cool thing. And the same thing with us. They looked at us and it's just interesting that like, you know, we built it up in our heads like, ah, they probably won't. And then they're like, yeah, sure. You know, we'll come on. It's just interesting that that. Yeah. I don't know if that's like
0: a a manifestation of the imposter syndrome or if it's just like assuming that these people are so busy that they don't have time for media appearances. Um, But either way, I'm stoked that it's happening.
1: I think the cool part too about like different media platforms is it gives people just an opportunity to express their opinion unguarded. I mean a, a little yeah. bit more of a trust factor I think with you that you're going to kind of give them an authentic um, mm-hmm. representation of their beliefs and whatnot. Yeah. But I know when people come on our platform, they're like, Oh cool. This isn't kind of an interview. Like we're just going to bounce around to whatever we want to talk about. And, um, I don't know. That's just interesting to see how it's received to some people. You, you'll you see them the longer you're interviewing them. And I'm sure you see that in your interviews where they start to relax and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, like I'm not, not on CNBC or Fox news here. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> two people talking, having a conversation. Have you had any interviews kind of go like a little weird on you at all? Um,
0: actually, no, I, I haven't. And I think probably part of that is, One thing I always do to disarm the guests at the beginning is let them know that I'm never going to publish anything that they haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though it is much more edited than say a podcast or like a YouTube interview, um, they get the final say. And if any, if they ever feel like misrepresented, then I won't publish it. Yeah. So people open up after that. And the other thing that I do is I, I usually my interviews like, you know, the final product is a five minute read, but the interview itself is usually, you know, 45 minutes to an hour at, at least. Mm. So mm-hmm. there's a lot in there where we're just kind of like warming up and getting to know one another that doesn't make it into the, the public
1: version. Yeah. Where do you see, um, like the evolution of the newsletter kind of going into, are there any other like products that may, maybe you'd be interested in launching or media kind of like spinoffs associated yeah. with that?
0: Yeah. It's something I've been thinking about a lot, actually. Uh, when I started, I, I kind of entered the newsletter space naively, which generally I actually think is a good thing when you're starting a new business. Because if you know everything, like every challenge that's going to come up, it can be intimidating and, and kind of pushy not to do it. So having a simplistic view can can be helpful in that way. But I thought that you know I could make this work simply based on like ad arbitrage. Like I said before, like acquire subscribers through ads and then monetize them through selling their attention to advertisers and that still is to this day the leading revenue stream for tricycle day is the sponsorships Um, but you know with that cash flow problem and wanting to grow faster and everything uh, i realized pretty quickly like i wanted to supplement that with other revenue streams and so now it's like the sponsorships i also do some affiliate which is you know basically another form of sponsorship just paid on different terms but more recently I started doing digital products. So, you know, selling products directly to the readers. Uh, I started with Mm -hmm. a weekend event where I brought in four different experts in various practices related to psychedelic integration for like a, a weekend back-to-back workshop. Um, and that was like my first foray into it, just kind of test the waters and see if people would be interested in buying something like that from the tricycle day brand. And lo and behold, they were so, um, I took that and kind of ran with it and played with the format a little bit and just released a second product rather than it being a a digital event uh an on-demand evergreen digital product uh, like a very low cost low ticket um entry product which really my my goal with it um apart from educating the readers was to win back the cost of acquiring a subscriber more quickly Mm. Uh, and that that product is about uh harm reduction
1: (laughs) And so tell me about that product. Like when you say harm reduction, like it's an evergreen course that they buy into or
0: short one hour course, um, it's called have a safe trip. And it's like, I'm very upfront in the beginning. Like, look, I'm never, I'm not trying to convince anybody to use psychedelics. Um, that's never my intention. I believe that's a personal choice. Uh, but if you are going to, I think it's beneficial to everyone if you are educated on what the risks are. So I, I go through that. Um, and talk about different strategies for mitigating and managing those risks.
1: Mm. And so like one of the things that I think is interesting about like what you've decided to go all in on is like owning the newsletter, right? And what I was kind of probing towards is a a lot of times like a newsletter can be a function of a bigger brand, right? And so like you've just taken that arm and you're like, hey, I'm going to own this because I see the opportunity and, and, and just that alone. And I guess it's potentially what I'm seeing here is a good thing. They're not getting shiny object syndrome and being like, Hey, here's all these other visions that I could spin this off into. But have you just kind of toyed with the idea of like, Hey, what could this lead into? Do you give yourself, do you afford yourself the opportunity to kind of like just daydream a little bit about what that could build into?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think about it a lot. Um, but I do try to anchor back to what the original vision was not, not just for the sake of sticking with something because I said so, but, um, because I come back to like my belief in what was needed in the market. And I, and I still mm. think that the newsletter is what is needed, free information. Um, but yes, I definitely think about that. And, you know, in a, in a media business where your main monetization is, uh, advertising, basically every time I have a new advertiser come through, I think like, Oh, that's something that my readers are interested in buying, which means that in theory I could be offering that too. Right. Um, which is kind of a cool thing. Like you can, use like the resonance of a given ad as uh, sort of an experiment to see if that's an avenue you want to pursue in the business.
2: Oh yeah. I'm no um, kidding.
0: So like physical products, you know, those are some really popular ads on tricycle day, like uh legal plant medicines, things like, you know, Kana supplements and like, uh, like there's like a, a Kratom beverage that um, was pretty popular. Um, so like if I wanted to get into physical products, like, I have that market research, you know, at my fingertips.
1: Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Right. Like you have all the data. So like white labeling something, um, mm-hmm. could definitely be a possibility. I just had like the weirdest visual of a Bucky's <laughs> I was in a Bucky's the other day. And so you yeah. have like tricycle day and like Bucky's probably did the same thing. They probably saw what was selling the most in the store and they went, you know, what were resourced That's enough, and, yeah. Let's make some corn nuggets. I guess corn nuggets are what people in Texas are into or, you know, yeah. chips. And <laughs> Trader Joe's stuff. does that too. Do they?
0: Yeah, that's that's their model. They they white label everything and then they can sell it for a little bit cheaper.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they go to, uh, I think they go to the people that make a brand. Like they go to someone that makes Lucky Charms and they're just like, they just say, we want all these BS ingredients taken out and then mm-hmm. just put this in there and then so they just take some of the ingredients out and then relabel as a Trader Joe's product it's pretty yeah. neat I'm curious um you know most people are familiar with bicycle day I am just curious like how what how did we come up with tricycle day you mm-hmm. know as, as the name and and yeah where you on a tricycle one day having a good time like the bicycle <laughs> day or where did that
0: come from <laughs> No, no, it's, um, you got the reference. Not everybody does. So it's, that's actually intentional. It's basically like an mm-hmm. Easter egg. It's like a little nod for, for, if you know, you know, um, if you're listening to this and you don't know, bicycle day is the name given to the anniversary of Albert Hoffman's first intentional, uh, dosing mm-hmm. of, of, LSD. He took the LSD and then he got on his bike or yeah, his bike, not trike and, <laughs> uh, and run home basically, which is a balls. lot
2: easier than
1: you think when you I, think it's... about it. It probably would have benefited him, huh? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Maybe on <laughs> that one leg, other leg. I don't know. The first time I tried it, I was like, this is going to be really, really difficult. And it's not that bad. I was like, oh, you just, it's a little harder to see cars whizzing by you when they're coming. But otherwise, like to maintain the, the path, it's not too hard. I was very surprised. <laughs> I
1: can't Henry. say that
0: i tried personally.
1: <laughs> when was your first experience with psychedelics? Because if I remember correctly, it was... Pretty recently, right?
0: Yeah, it is, it is fairly recent. I think, you know, for people working in this space, definitely I'm on the greener side. Uh, my first ever psychedelic experience was in my late 20s. Um, and it was in the context of yoga. I, one of my yoga teachers slash friends, I was a yoga teacher too. So it like, kind of like all peers practicing together often um, said like, Hey, you can eat some of these mushrooms and we'll practice together. And i did and i have to say it was pretty unremarkable it was it was not like a mind-blowing experience it wasn't really anything to write home about so it didn't get me like all that excited about psychedelics that first time and i kind of forgot about it um, but not not too long after that um, i had a completely different experience that blew the doors of perception open for me um, also in the context of yoga so if anybody you know is listening to this and doesn't know much about yoga beyond like you know fitness classes on a yoga mat um there's like a lot there's thousands of years of philosophy and history behind it as well and so as a like a yoga professional i was i was pretty steeped in that and i kept reading about these like very esoteric ideas of you know non-dual states and cognitive absorption and actually in the eightfold path of yoga, the final stage is something called samadhi. This is actually what yoga practice is meant to take you toward. And it's it's also called yoga. It is the state of yoga. And the way it's described in the text is essentially like your sense of self disintegrates and merges into the unity of consciousness. And to me, that was an incredibly compelling idea, something I was very intrigued by, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I'm living in New York City. I'm a yoga teacher hopping from class to class. I don't have the luxury of disappearing into a cave for in like to be in the darkness for five years. So I'm probably never going to experience that. And that's okay. I kind of resigned myself to that. But one time having one of these conversations with one of my yoga friends, um, she was like, you're not going to believe this. But I found the cheat code to Samadhi. I was like, do tell. What's what's the story here? And um, she explained what she had just done. And in maybe a week or two, I found myself at a ceremony getting ready to smoke the venom of bufo Alvarius out of a crack pipe. And I was never the same. So to to DEA, that.
2: the yoga is a gateway drug to smoking out of a crack pipe.
0: Right. That's right. Yeah. So I went from like... Basically zero experience with psychedelics. You went from zero experience to like, I need to hurry this up. The punchline was so
1: rich on that one. I just didn't didn't see the crack pipe coming in there. I mean, we're (laughs) tracking along. You got got me hook line and sinker, and there's the twist. Okay, that's good. She caught you on a Wednesday for sure. That wasn't a Friday. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I got like,
2: you were like, right, we got to hurry this up. <laughs> so you, That's
1: so awesome. you did it in the context of like a proper ceremony, like you had a yeah, facilitator. And, um, That's cool. Yeah.
0: But it was also like, it was a little ceremonial Island in the middle of the hustle and bustle of New York. I went to the upper, mm-hmm. uh, let me see. It was the upper East side to a doorman building. Like people just coming in off the street, <laughs> doorman seems to kind of know what's going on. I go up to the apartment and when I walk in the door, you know, wafts of Palo Santo, the facilitator appears with his massive golden retriever, all white garb, red sash. This was a nice bandana. place. <laughs> oh, it was a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the people that get I didn't VIP really have idea what I was getting myself into. I had done like a little bit of research, but he actually encouraged me not to. Um, so wow. that I wouldn't have any sort of false expectations that would influence the trip either positively or negatively. You know,
1: funny enough, I did mm-hmm. the same thing with Dylan when it came to combo, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that helped or hurt him on that one when he was hugging the bucket. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done combo, Henry? I have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've Those got battle scars.
1: Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you can see, but yeah, I kind of get held up. Yeah. I've done it a few times too. And every time I do it, I think, you know what? I'm good. And then the opportunity affords itself some late date in the future. Then I'm like, yeah, I haven't haven't been on the edge of death in a while. So let me just invite that back into my life. Does it feel that way for you? That's the most violent experience I've ever had as a human being. Really? Wow. I mean... Maybe um, someone's got to... It just yeah. felt like
2: I was... It felt like just a really bad sickness for me.
0: That's how it feel, felt to Just me like, too. oh, and
2: this is like the worst case of food poisoning you could get within the next like 15 minutes. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's also really
0: contained. So it's yeah, kind of okay yeah. and you like signed up for it. So you're prepared and it just feels like concentrated you know it'll end. End.
2: You're like, it was end. It was kind of funny. I told my, uh, my stepdad about it. We went to a show the next day and... Uh, I told him what I did and how it's supposed to help with all this, you know, vision or, or in your stomach and all that. And for whatever reason, I just looked across the way, just down the aisle from us. And there was an unopened tall boy can of Bud Light. <laughs> it's just been sitting there. I go there. It's cold. And I was like, look what I found. He was like, it's the froggy vision. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're you're hundred this. <laughs>
2: He's like, you find, it's finding the good stuff. I was like, oh. Snap, you're yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> did you take the uh, did you take the sonanga eye drops after? Uh, yes,
2: we did that. I did it before. Yeah, it's
0: for, for me. No, I
2: didn't like that. I think I I think he uh, I think he was just doing that to get a good laugh out of everybody. Yeah, out of himself, honestly. You did it before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did it before because I was waiting okay. my turn. So he was like, you know, here we'll just do it now while everyone else is doing their turn, and then you can get up
0: and go. And I was that was awful.
1: I don't like yeah, any of it's that. It's like
0: squeezing like. <laughs> Jalapeno juice into your eyeballs.
1: It feels like there's yeah. like little hands but, punching you directly in the cornea. It was like if someone devil <laughs> came up, <laughs> Time couldn't ones. fit their whole the fist, it was just, you know, they're like, okay, let me shrink this down and just Mayweather. Yeah. Right. Right. It people.
2: felt like to me how when you like pour 151 and then you light it, you know, to make a cool shot, but it was the devil spit in my eye and then lit it. And mm. you're going to like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's <laughs> definitely for me, way more challenging than the uh <laughs> yeah the oh yeah they're like
2: this helps combo. with cataracts i'm like are we sure
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that what is that what it's doing <laughs> yeah the jungle has a lot of cool stuff to offer but that one i think i'm good on <laughs> yeah i was I, I, my eyesight's fine i have vision Interesting that that's so harder that, that was like worse for you guys because the combo for me the way it hits my system like it it Every time I've done it, it legitimately feels like it's bringing me right up to the edge of death. And I'm like, OK, really, if I'm dying here in a way that like ayahuasca or DMT, the other ones, it's kind of like a letting go experience. But it feels mm-hmm. like your soul is kind of, you know, leaving the meat sack, so to speak. Yeah, that one feels very visceral where the whole meat sack screaming yes. like, what <laughs> the fuck? Why did we? Yeah. What are you doing? You know,
2: your face also blows up like a big old basketball oh, yeah, so thing. Yeah. You see. yours that too. Yeah, yeah mine so did.
1: It looks like a, a get a botched botox job or something. Mm-hmm. The beautiful beautiful picture we had afterwards
2: was cuz I was the last one to do it, <laughs> so I was still everyone wanted to do a picture before kind of everyone started leaving after the ceremony, but I was still in the middle of it. And so they, they took a picture of me over the bucket and then did their group picture. And so they photoshopped me over the bucket in the middle of the group. Everyone's like,
0: yeah. oh my God.
1: even worse, too. Um, You're like the mascot of the group yeah. ceremony. I'm just shirtless, like, oh, my God. Well, we had friends that wanted to host the ceremony at the house I was renting in Tampa. So I was like, yeah, sure, come on, you know. And um, there was, I don't know, what, four or five people we didn't know they're doing? Like, maybe like eight or nine people total. Pretty random. So about half the group was, you know, randos and super awesome uh, people. And then they do their uh, combo. And a a couple of them had upset tummies. And (laughs) normally that's not a big deal. One of them ends up shitting themselves and the other... That'll happen. Huh? That'll happen. Apparently. And so we get one of them in the shower, fully clothed. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. We just get them in the shower. I assume water will take care of a lot of this. Another person is like, I think I'm going to shit myself. So (laughs) we get them in the bathroom. So they're next to the person in the shower that has shit themselves. And then... This, yeah
0: put all the shit yourself people together quarantine
1: them just get them away put from them me and at this point my face is blown up the toilet has clogged and no one told me this until it was at that like what's what's mm. the term where water like will bubble it's the surface tension incorrect. is the only thing holding it from overflowing. i'm convinced <laughs> one more drop like to the point where i'm like I don't even know if a plunger is going to help us here, but the whole, the whole house is in a, in a frenzy and a panic. Cause I don't have a plunger. And you can't
0: put the plunger in anyway. Cause as you said, you've already filled the capacity. So even displacing the, the volume of the plunger is going to mm-hmm. result in a catastrophe.
1: That's part of it is, is that the air vent for the house is maybe a foot away from the toilet. And so, I mean, I'm bugging out one. I don't own the house too. Like, come on shitty water in your air vent. And, um, yeah. It had an anti climatic ending. We every, every neighbor on the street got a knock and they were running down the street with plungers because they saw the panic in my face. And by the time we got back to the house <laughs> with multiple plungers, it had taken care of itself and decided the combo. Crisis averted. Like combo gods. Sa- saved by the spirit of the combo. Dude, that frog. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right saved up to by the, the frog. I'm like, no, you're good. Yeah. Right to the edge. <laughs> Just give you that
0: fear, fear
1: of life and death,
0: and then let you know you're okay. Uh, Cradle you.
1: Random thought popped in my mind. So as you're building this business, (laughs) have you yourself been faced with like any feelings of imposter syndrome, maybe reaching out to guests or like, who am I to build this business? I'm not, uh, or I'm not enough of an expert to share these opinions. Anything like, anything like that come up?
0: You know, I, I'm like pretty good at not having to face that or i don't know if good is the right word lucky um in that i don't face that too often but i will say there are a few things that sort of set me off and i've really worked on my emotional reaction to them and um, the main one is trolls trolls really dig in, straight into my heart um like whether it, it's it's one thing if it's like a random person who has served an ad Cause like, yeah, of course they didn't sign up for this. But what really gets me is like when somebody who signed up for the newsletter gives like really negative feedback because they're just completely and utterly offended by the views of somebody who like is not even, it's not even my views. I'm just platforming someone and they're just absolutely, how dare you know, how dare you. Um, and I used to let those things get to me and to be, to be totally honest, like I'm still working on it for sure. Um, but more recently, I've, I've been able to let go of that. Um, and it's easier because with the size of the newsletter now, like the voices of dissent are very much um, drowned out by the positive feedback that I get. So, you know, I can just like kind of quantify it and be like, okay, I'm still on the right track.
1: Yeah. Whereas before, like maybe- in But the- isn't it interesting how like you can
0: hear like 10 positive reinforcing things and one negative one and the negative one is the one that like,
1: you remember As you're trying to drift off to sleep. Hey, Henry. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like
2: that's the one? Like you don't? You're like, oh, all positive. I don't really need to reply to these. Hey, thanks, thanks. But then someone sends a negative, and you're like, I got to write a paragraph. On <laughs> yeah. <that." laughs> yeah. You got to tell them why they're wrong. <laughs> tell them that they're wrong. Like,
1: give them the business. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Do you, what do you? Uh, what do you think's been helping you the most outside of business building activities? contributing to the business kind of like we talked about earlier with the means, like yeah. you know, the yoga practice spending time with the kiddo. Like what, what's kind of keeping you grounded through all this.
0: Definitely the yoga practice is like my go-to hack that I try to tell everybody who's trying to do something that's like starting from zero, creating something of their own. It's really important to have an outlet where you can disengage your conscious mind and develop that, that sense of, connection to yourself. Um, because I think that's where like the creativity of our subconscious comes up psychedelics, you know, are kind of like work the same way, but you don't, maybe, maybe don't want to do psychedelics constantly. Maybe you do. I'm not going to judge if you do, but for me, I, you know, I'm more of like a once every few months kind of guy. Um, so that's been really helpful. And then as far as like grounding and just understanding that business is not everything. Yes. Like time with my son has been, um, a forcing function for that, that I've been very grateful for.
1: What does the work-life balance look like? I mean, do you have predetermined hours that you're like, Hey, I'm going to focus on the business here. Or are you sprinkling it in? Cause I mean, I would assume like I've, I've been in the trenches, I've, I've seen, you know, how efficiently and effectively you work, but I would assume when you're putting out two ne- newsletters a week, that it'd be easy to allow that to kind of balloon up, maybe perfectionism creep yeah. in.
0: Yeah. Um, something that I'm working on right now is like trying to standardize the hours that I work because you're right. Like when it's your own thing, it's really easy for the work to just expand, to fill the entire container, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, my, my son is imposes some constraints, (laughs) obviously, because I need to watch him, but he's also in daycare twice a week. So I like try to like, you know stack like bundle the work into days when he's not around or when my wife can watch him uh but but yeah like something that i have to like artificially impose because it's not like naturally there is like when am i going to stop working at night Mm -hmm. because like it's really easy to fall back on that time like oh sun's down i got like all the time in the world but i also really care about like my sleep so you know there are all these different little levers uh and and uh switches you can pull um, what about from the wife side? I don't have a perfect answer
1: for it, but what's the yeah? I'm what's the on energy it? like from your wife? Because I would assume there there had to have been a critical conversation at the beginning of like, hey, I'm going to put really everything into this, you know, energy wise, financially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's kind of a lot on the line for you, and so I'd imagine your partner is a big part of kind of supporting you through that and potentially being Absolutely. a refuge. So. What was was that conversation like or just kind of anything that comes up for you around that?
0: Yeah, well, you know, this isn't my first entrepreneurial project. So fortunately, my wife kind of knows how I operate (laughs) and that I really do like to work um, when it's something that I care about and like driven by. Um, It's very different from like, you know, working a corporate job, which I have in the time that we've been together and, she senses that difference. And I think that she's supportive of me working more because she knows that it's something that I am like intrinsically driven to do versus like, I'm trying to answer to someone. Uh, And she's been supportive, not just emotionally, but actually helped me out with like actual business stuff too. Um, Like she, she came with me to psychedelic science and was like, she's a very extroverted person. A lot has a lot more ease with, you know, hopping into new conversations, introducing herself. And also when you're not having to pitch yourself, but you're pitching your husband or your partner that takes a little bit of the edge off of like the, the modesty, arrogance kind of dynamic. Um, So yeah, she's very involved and uh, as a sounding board emotionally, but also I like share tactical creative ideas with her and get her input. She's a, she's, um, she's very, insightful and kind of like almost prophetic in some ways like she has predicted things that i'm going to do months ahead of time sometimes years ahead of time and i like deny it tooth and nail and then eventually i come to my own realization and she's like yeah i told you so she's also incredibly patient in that
1: way that's cool yeah it's fun watching you kind of build um build the business but i would assume as you're building the business the the business in return is building you in some capacity
0: oh yeah 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 like one thing that i and i you know this well uh colton one thing that i struggle with is like outsourcing delegating and ultimately if i really ask the deeper question of myself like what is that it's trust like i struggle with trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has held me back in the past, for sure. Uh, this business like, has been mostly just a one man show. And I've like flirted with you know, having different contractors involved. Um, I've had agencies kind of help me out in various respects, but I've never really relinquished control. And uh, I, I struggle with that. Uh, and so in, in many ways, I feel like that is the next step. For this business is for me to really accept that that is what is needed um not only for myself to grow but also for like to best serve the audience and the mission of what i'm trying to do which is to normalize this conversation around psychedelics educate people so that they don't like they're not operating off of outdated information from the 70s
1: yeah mm. i think we could still put it all in the water, you know. I think Timothy Leary was onto something. It was Leary, right? Put it in the water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just put it in he the water. Some,
0: he had some pretty aggressive yeah. ideas.
1: Forward thinking is what we like to say around here.
0: Take out the
2: fluoride. Bold <laughs> at the L S D. Principle.
0: <laughs> um, the uh, putting in the water. Actually, I think that is that's Rick Doblin. He says that MDMA oh, should Rick, be put in the water.
2: Rick Doblin. Yeah, right in the water. That's fine. Yeah,
0: he's he's a contemporary. He's he's out there right now.
1: <laughs> someone's got to pick up the hand grenade and keep running with it you know what's it's in it's in can't can't
0: stop it. <laughs> and, and he's doing a pretty incredible job i know that he's got critics but anybody who's doing making big moves is gonna is gonna have haters i've really thoughts, been
1: astounded but... by his ability to hold the long game on that he's incredibly cool-headed about i it. mean i've listened like, to so many the of these interviews and i'm like i learned something different about the guy every time and you're like the staying power yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all signs point to MDMA being the first, if you don't include ketamine, the first psychedelic to be medically approved and it'll happen next year. So it's working. His approach has been a long haul, like you said, but it seems like they're about to cross through, not maybe not the finish line, but a, a pretty notable milestone.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of different perspectives and personalities on the show that kind of speak to different angles. And I, I guess I'm curious to get your perspective, kind of looping back to one of the things you brought up earlier is like what, what the market needs. When it comes to psychedelics, mm. maybe more specifically to psychedelic businesses, what do you yeah. feel? I mean, granted, this is a very blanketed, just generic kind of question. But like, what do you feel like the market needs still? Hmm. Um you know, I think
0: that there are a lot of businesses right now that are preparing for a future state of the world um and I understand that approach like a lot of businesses there there are definitely a lot of needs out there I mean the biggest one, the most glaring, obvious one is we have a global mental health crisis it's very bad and undeniable at this point, point. and the standards of care in medicine like just are wildly ineffective for a, a big portion of people that that's why like the moniker treatment resistant depression exists it's like its own separate diagnosis because the the meds out there don't work so i do think that the medicalization path of psychedelics is extremely important and i understand why it's like sort of leading the whole show um but i also very much believe and this was my own personal experience that psychedelics have a lot to offer to people who don't have any sort of psychiatric pathology. For me, I I was not depressed. Um, You know, of course, I went through low moods from time to time. And, you know, I've been anxious and all these things. But um, I never went to a psychiatrist, I was never diagnosed with anything. And yet I was very attracted to psychedelics, because I understood or believed I went in with a preconceived notion that psychedelics could help me better understand myself and the inner workings of my mind. And I don't think you should need to be, you know, clinically diagnosed to be afforded that, uh, that right. So, you know, people often ask like, do you believe in psychedelic medicine, psychedelic legalization or psychedelic decriminalization? And my answer is I actually think there's a place for all three, they should all happen. I think decriminalization should happen because like people getting prosecuted and put in jail for nonviolent crimes that really don't like make sense. Like that, that's, it's obviously politically motivated and just a relic of, a, of an older time and it's time to do away with that. Um, and then legalization, you know, it handled correctly and and trying not to like create a lot of loopholes for companies to exploit and extract like that, that can be really uh, beneficial because now you have like better quality control of products. So, you know, I think regulated markets exist for a reason. And then the medical pathway, obviously, you know, we talked about that. So, uh, the, I think the need out there is is really on the policy side. There needs to be political will to make these to create space for these businesses to come in. Fortunately, in my case, you know, it's a media business. Information is free. There's no restriction around that. Thank God for the First Amendment. I have the freedom of the press to write about this stuff. Um, but as far as actually delivering people products and and in many cases services as well, um, they're going to have to remain underground until the politicians the our lawmakers can, can change uh, the, the environment that these businesses want to operate in.
1: How far does that freedom extend when it comes to say like the evergreen courses, right? Like that's something that a lot of uh, folks are kind of exploring for a means of supporting themselves and something they're interested in. Like how yeah. granular can someone go as far as like, Hey, here's how you can Grow your own medicine, aka mushrooms, or yeah. yours, you know, like I, I see Dance Safe kind of like talk about their kits and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. how far does that freedom extend when it comes to explicitly outlining how someone can make, manufacture, or consume what is currently illicit substances?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but my understanding is that um as short of like hateful speech that's meant to incite violence. Like you're really allowed to say anything, um, where it gets a little bit dicey and, and maybe this is more of an ethical than a legal, uh, guideline is, you know, I'm never going to give people medical advice. I would never do that. Um, because I, I'm not also not a doctor, believe it or not, I'm neither a lawyer (laughs) nor a doctor. Um, so, you know, I always try to just qualify anything that I say and, and say like, look, you know, everybody's got personal Unique circumstances, and also you might be on other medications that are contraindicated or have some sort of drug interaction. So, as much as your you know physician may not be receptive to the conversation, that's where I got to point you for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but general information, I think, as long as it's provided for educational or entertainment purposes, is fair game.
2: For uh, for the business side, right? I've seen this happen with with uh, Florida trying to legalize marijuana and, and some other states doing it, where before the, it gets legalized, like right when it's, the voting starts happening, only a few companies are approved to do it. And it's usually something the politicians have their hands in, of course. Yeah. Would you would you rather have it become legalized and it becomes legalized quicker because only like two or three companies are approved to produce it? And it's because the politicians have scrutinized it and said, hey, these are the good ones and we can go about it. Or would you rather yeah. it take longer to become legal and regulations are put in place before it becomes legal and then any company can make it but it's based off of those yeah. regulations that are put in place
0: um i don't think that there should ever be a time where any company can go out and produce these products i think they should always mm-hmm. be subject to vetting in a, in a legal framework so um it's less about that for me and more about we should like i think decriminalization needs to come first for that very mm-hmm. reason because if there are only a handful of companies that are monopolizing or duopolizing the psychedelic market, at least people would be able to cultivate their own mushrooms in their closet or backyard. Yeah. Um, and that kind of mm. helps with the pricing pressure there and uh, the exploitation, basically, of that, of that uh, regulatory capture. I have actually, you know, this kind of sends me on a little bit of a tangent, but that, this is my biggest complaint with the American government. I find it absolutely like... I can't it's hard to even believe that the system exists in the way that it does that companies can buy politicians like interests special Mm -hmm. interests to me are just it's like blatant corruption and it happens in every sector of the economy and people just nod along and accept that that's how it works it's shocking to me
1: yeah yeah i think that would be everybody's biggest complaint (laughs) going on with that I mean, one. that's yeah. a weird that's a weird notion that comes up frequently in my trips because are you well kind of like in the industry or the collective field of psychedelics or whatever like people speak to like hey they don't want us free thinking and then almost every time when i'm in an altered state of consciousness that does encroach in where you're like yeah i could see why if i was in a position of power why i wouldn't want an entire society just freely thinking for themselves and trusting themselves and not trusting a larger entity. But I I don't think it's because of any one person in the machine. I think the machine is almost conscious itself and you'll see Mm. that it will frequently self-sacrifice in order for the good of the machine to keep eating and growing and influencing. I mean, that's, the nature of politics, right? The, the machine. When you say the machine, are you referring to human civilization?
0: Uh, like organization amongst more people? More of
1: good old American government in general, right? Okay. So you have whistleblowers come out. But for every whistleblower, there's a lot of people in there thinking the same thing. And they know if they stand up for what might be righteous, that they'll be sacrificed. They'll be essentially became, become a martyr for something that the machine doesn't really give a fuck about. Right. And so I think it's in the government's best interest to keep us dependent, to keep us reliant and under the guise of we need the government. And in and, and a lot of cases, we do. Right. Like I'm not advocating yeah. for just laissez fair. I think, faire, I think but, I, for the record, I think government Yeah. Is government good government is good. I just don't think big
0: government is good. And there's definitely government overreach. And I think personally, I believe that industry, like fr- free markets, should be completely divorced from government. Yeah it does not seem right or fair the
1: bailout dylan and i were talking about that a couple weeks ago it's like wait we ascribe to this idea of a free market and then the free market's doing free market stuff to allow i mean (laughs) you gotta burn you know like ultimately sometimes Mm -hmm. the prairie's gotta burn like that's just a (laughs) mark that's that's how the market resets like that's how we come back into balance they're like no we got a pretty good thing going here i got some pockets i need lining so let's (laughs) <laughs> yeah. prop it up um
2: yeah it's a- yeah i think that it has to it has to, just to touch on that too I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that when it starts happening in the psychedelic space right when you start seeing that companies get so big in the medical space in this industry that like mm-hmm. is the government going to be there to bail these types of companies out like they've done for others or are they going to be like oh sorry like you had to be on your own the whole time or are they going to leave the psychedelic space to be are they going to help the psychedelic space? Like they have other industries, you know, mm. that it's going to be interesting once this does pop off and get really big, you know, it, it, I guess it has to come to, are they going to have a big enough lobby lobbyists?
1: Well, money them? moves the markets, right? We saw that cannabis once the state mm-hmm. started tasting that sweet, sweet money. And they're like, Oh, actually no one is dying. Everything's fine. In a lot of cases, everything's yeah. better. And so I think if the, any government try to step in now and take that revenue source away, which in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. is going to what like schools and other kind of beneficiaries, those taxes, infrastructure, Mm -hmm. things like that. So I would imagine that psychedelics is going to provide at the price point that a lot of these companies are wanting to introduce it in. um, I I would imagine the taxes are going to be pretty heavy, heavy on that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the biggest risk that the psychedelic biotech pharma companies face is like the alternative of organic, natural, psychedelic plants and and fungi, Um, which is, you know, that's why it it seems pretty intuitive, you know, why Gavin Newsom in California might have vetoed that bill. You know, they had bipartisan, bicameral support for decriminalization in California, and he said he wanted a medical framework in, in place beforehand. Now, if you put on your cynical hat and you say like well he has got special in- special interests like lining his pocket then let- let's play that out i mean it would be because those companies want to make sure that they can corner the market of people who need psychedelic medicine so that they don't just grow it in their backyard
1: right and i mean hey i'm all for if i can take a uh, have a mushroom trip with guaranteed no nausea like that's cool that's novel That's something that I think there's a giant market for, but in a lot of cases, as it stands right now, it looks like they're just trying to kind of do what they did with insulin.
0: I agree with you personally. I totally agree. I think there is space for both. I think they will fulfill separate needs. Mm -hmm. Um, there, and also just like different types of patients or users, you know, like some people just really want to have the support of a clinical context that they know and understand they want to obviously this is a different very different um treatment experience than any other sort of pharmaceutical that doesn't induce a trip a subjective experience but still you can you know make it as similar and familiar as possible by having a prescribing physician and you know clinical controls and and that's always going to appeal to people to some people even if you know psychedelic mushrooms are decriminalized that's my belief oh
1: for sure yeah, I mean, the the confidence they would gain from a man in a in a white coat, giving it to him, right? Also, uh, yeah. the refinement. Plus the therapist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like to get my meth in a too. I,
2: what? It would be weird <laughs> to go to CVS, though, and be like, hi, I'm here for my
0: all my mushrooms. Thank you. My mushroom refill. <laughs>
2: yeah, I need my mushroom refill. Sir, this is the third time this week. We can't. You've met your cap. <laughs> yeah. You're right. They do have caps. I need more. <laughs> Of those. Yeah. Thank you. No it's <laughs> <laughs> I it would be cool if we got to that point There were pharmaceuticals and you could just go So it wouldn't have to be a CVS or a Walgreens. You know, it was a cooler place to go pick up your
1: You got your you got pharmacy. to pick how yeah, you're in mean, Like, can I get the Batmans <laughs> this week? <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. like, which smoke shop <laughs> would you like to pick up at? The yeah, one exactly. on fourth or the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, Henry, man, thanks for coming on. Um, before we let you go, we got one question that we love to ask mm-hmm. all our guests. Um, okay. And it, it's kind of redundant in nature. But what's one question <laughs> that you wish more folks asked you?
0: What's one question I wish more people asked me? Um, hmm. One question that. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I wish more people asked me, but I think one thing that people could afford to hear more is that focus is a skill that requires practice and can immensely benefit anything that you do. Um, I've seen what happens when you when I don't apply focus and what happens when I do apply focus and it's worlds apart. And I think just some people don't even consider that that's something that they can work on. Um, it can be worked on through many different ways. I mentioned before I practice yoga. I think that's really helpful for it. It kind of happens as a natural byproduct. Um, and I also think that there is a lot of compelling anecdotal data, if not quantitative data, around people using microdosing to improve their focus. So um, definitely like a lot to explore there with psychedelics. I think focus is important. That's what I'll say.
1: Love it. Also very important to know, yes. hey, Henry's not a dealer, just a dealer of information just a dealer of facts, facts. and info and, and memes. memes the memes are quality so if people want to get some of those juicy <laughs> juicy memes where do they go henry
0: they go to tricycleday.com also tricycleday on instagram we're there too that's where most that of that is memes where the happen, memes happen. to be honest yeah. with you um so those are the two main things the instagram and the newsletter itself. beautiful
1: well you guys go check it out Hey, if uh, you found this podcast helpful in any way, we'd love it if you subscribe here. We'll show up in your feed more often. Um, Leave us a review. It can be honest or you can lie. That helps the algorithm too. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Love you.